kitchen tables, windows, televisions, and vases. On the surface, these may not sound like worthy artistic subjects until you realize some of the world's greatest photographers achieved success making images of these objects in the confines of their own home. For them, a limited viewpoint became liberating. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of Photo 365, a podcast about how to be a photographer every day. My name is Andrew Hayworth. Over the past year, many of us have been stuck indoors owing to the worldwide pandemic. While many of us have gone back to a lifestyle that's as normal as can be expected at this point, a large portion of the world's population is still sheltering in place. For many of us, life will never be the way it was before COVID-19. Besides mask-wearing, vaccines, and the loss of life, I'm thinking about how much more time we're spending at home or away from other people. I have friends who have been working from home for a year, and that's going so well for them, they'll continue to work remotely, pandemic or not. I've heard many people say they enjoy social distancing and the additional safety measures COVID has normalized. Schools, at least in my area, still aren't back to full classroom learning. I spoke to some college students recently, and while some long to be back in a classroom, many preferred remote learning. Similarly, my best friend is a school teacher, and he's grown to love remote teaching since he spends less time commuting in urban traffic, and he can teach from anywhere in the world where there's an internet connection. Photography was certainly affected by the pandemic. All forms of art suffered, particularly in the early days of the quarantine. Movie productions shut down, photographic assignments were canceled, in-person classes shut down, and so on. I supplement my day job income with adjunct teaching and freelance assignments from a local magazine I have a close relationship with. My art class went to remote learning after spring break of 2020. Months went by before I picked up more freelance work, and when I finally got a gig shooting action at a local food bank, my editor lectured me on safety as if he was sending me into a war zone. Even those of us who never left the workplace found ourselves isolating from our coworkers, walking around corporate offices with masks on, and hiding out in offices, doors closed, holding meetings on Zoom with people in the same building not 20 feet away. What I'm driving at here is the pandemic has changed our attitudes and habits. A year ago, quarantine seemed strange and dissonant. Now we've grown used to a certain amount of isolation. This episode is about artists who have created great work in limited environments, and I'll link to these artists in the show notes, so be sure to check them out if you hear something that interests you. Whether you're still in isolation or have become accustomed to the solitude of being at home or working alone, the images here hopefully serve as a reminder our vision isn't limited by location. This dovetails nicely with the previous episode in which I talked about limiting your gear to prevent paralysis of choice. In this case, we're limiting our viewpoint. I'll also talk about how the window can be used effectively as a way to frame reality. To begin, let's talk about Lee Friedlander. The great American photographer Lee Friedlander spent much of his life photographing street life, the landscape, road scenes, and parties. 
1994, suffering from knee pain and stuck at home, he pursued still life. He tried a variety of subjects, including flowers, but it wasn't until he started focusing on the stems of the flowers in clear vases that he found inspiration, making use of the light-bending effects of the water and glass to abstract the subject matter. Friedlander would spend several years on the project, eventually publishing the images in an oversized book simply titled Stems. Maybe the home space wasn't completely foreign to Friedlander. Some of his works from the early 1960s feature images on television sets indoors. Of course, still life studies are nothing new in art. One of the first photographic images ever developed was a still life of a table set for a meal recorded by the photographic pioneer Niepce around 1827. This was an emulation of the tradition of still life subjects in painting. This tradition has been carried on by photographers like Laura Latinsky, whose work subverts the standards of still life by introducing feelings of unease and anxiety of what may lie beyond the frame. Her haunting still life creations are often messy, resembling the aftermath of a kitchen disaster, yet evoke strong feelings of loss and despair. The photographer Lucas Samaras produced a series of conceptual work from his New York apartment. Samaras was his own model and appears in every image. The dull interiors are made interesting with colored lighting, props, and dramatic posing. Further, Samaras used a Polaroid camera and manipulated the resulting images by scratching or rubbing them as they developed, often to surrealist effect. Now, just a quick aside here, some of you may recognize this technique as being specific to Polaroid SX-70 film. This was a popular alternative process some years ago. By applying pressure to the developing film, you could create painterly effects. Costing about $4 a shot at current prices, SX-70 film is painfully expensive now, and the newer emulations apparently can't be manipulated as dramatically as the older ones. Your mileage may vary, but there's no Instagram filter as good as the real deal. Continuing further into the household, the Kitchen Table series by Carrie Mae Weems explores domestic situations around the family table. Her 20-image series is a powerful meditation on relationships and tells the story of one woman's life as seen through the intimate space of a kitchen. The impact of that limited setup really becomes apparent when you see the images exhibited in sequence, where the consistent backdrop fades away, allowing the viewer to focus on the human drama taking place. It's like watching a movie frame by frame. Similar to Weems, the photographer Hayahisa Tomiyasu found a table to photograph, but in this case, it was outside the window of his home in Germany. An old ping-pong table is repurposed by all who interact with it, allowing the viewer to observe the idiosyncrasies of human behavior and social habits over a period of time, in this case from about 2012 to 2016. Jan Groover was another photographer who was influenced by still lifes of the old masters and looked to the kitchen for inspiration, focusing on everyday objects, forks, spoons, pots and pans, in still lifes that emphasized form and tension. Many of you are probably familiar with the self-portraits of Cindy Sherman featured in her famous series, Untitled Film Stills. Many of these provocative images were shot in her home and represent an array of characters and imagined situations that could have been pulled from cinema. 
Photographer Abe Morell, after becoming a father, started a series of photographs from his home studying mundane household objects with new curiosity and attention. I'm also a fan of his Camera Obscura series, in which he turns entire rooms into cameras. By covering all the windows, except for a small opening to let outside light in, the room becomes a traditional camera obscura, and the outdoor scene is projected into the room, which Morell then photographs. His obscura images of Manhattan are particularly stunning. Proving even neutral colored walls and dirty baseboards can evoke mystery, photographer Chrissy Lamaster produced autobiographical work from home exploring identity and transformation following a divorce. The images became a visual diary of the experience, and in the artist's own statement, they depict in-between moments. Those few seconds just as something is about to begin or immediately after something has ended. Often shot in cramped hallways, entrances, and corners, the works are deceptively simple and suitably thought-provoking. Even an airplane bathroom can become a studio. The artist Nina Kachadurian produced a series of self-portraits during a 14-hour flight across the Pacific. During the flight, she used props such as toilet seat covers and used her own scarf as a background, using her camera phone to create images in the style of 15th century Flemish portraiture. This would have been in early 2011, and you could definitely see the limitations of the cell phone camera in these images, but nonetheless, they were exhibited in New Zealand and displayed in period-style frames as if they were historical paintings. Now, I'm certainly not recommending anyone use the bathroom in a commercial airliner as a studio, but it does show that you can achieve some really interesting results in an extremely limited viewpoint or location. Let's talk about windows. Artists have often turned to the window as a convention to articulate space, as a metaphor for vision that contrasts with the reflective mirror and as a theatrical curtain that divides the public and private space. In cinema, the window has often been used as a plot device, whether it's used as a static stage for a mystery to unfurl, as in Hitchcock's Rear Window, or even De Palma's Body Double, a film that directly references Hitchcock's film while serving as a further indictment of the protagonist's male gaze and voyeurism. In the film One Hour Photo, director Mark Romanek uses windows to frame his subjects and to reference the photographic themes of the film itself, often using shapes that have the same aspect ratio of a 4x6 snapshot. In the early days of the pandemic, we collectively experienced a moment where windows were our connections to the real world. For some of us, this remains the case. We can continue to use windows as frames, stages, and places to connect during this time of isolation. Again, some of the earliest photographers were inspired by windows, and one of the earliest photographic works on record, Nieps, captured a view from a window where rooftops and buildings are clearly defined. Windows have been a perennial subject for photographers from the early pioneers like Henry Fox Talbot to Alfred Stieglitz to modern artists such as Alex Soth. They've all made use of windows in their compositions or to frame the landscape. The works of John Fowle range from postcard scenes of the natural landscape to claustrophobic urban scenes, all framed through windows. Gregory Crudson often uses the window as a portal to another world or a transitional plane. 
So as you continue looking for daily photographic inspiration, consider the window or the domestic space itself and the objects in it. When's the last time you challenged yourself to explore your backyard or your kitchen with a photographic eye? If you've never tried abstraction, this would be an ideal opportunity. Don't underestimate mundane and everyday objects. Be sure to check out the works of Groover. She's a case study of how lighting and composition can alter a form and our perception of it. Windows are my favorite light sources. They bring directional light into our homes so we can use them like studio softboxes. Combined with a reflector or a piece of white poster board or foam core, windows can be used to light portraits or still life studies. Place a subject in front of a window for dramatic backlighting. Also, consider using windows as screens for projection and shadow play, a place for theater, as a frame, or as a barrier. That's going to do it for today's episode. If you need some ideas, be sure to check out the show notes to see the art I mentioned. I think you'll find it inspiring on many, many levels. Just a quick note on this episode. When the world shut down more than a year ago, many photography educators rallied together to help one another on various social media groups. Much of this episode was gleaned from the knowledge shared during those early, uncertain days. In some other news, I'm really excited about our upcoming shows. Next week, I'm welcoming a special guest to the show, and we're going to talk about photojournalism and long-term documentary photography, how to stay motivated, and a lot more. So be sure to check it out. Folks, thanks for listening to this episode of the Photo 365 podcast. As always, I'd love to hear from you on how your photography is going. Feel free to send me a link to your gallery or to a website. You can contact me at photo365podcast.com. There you can find show notes and a transcription of each episode as well. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. If you like Photo 365, consider supporting the show at buymeacoffee.com slash photo365. Keep looking out for great images, keep posting them, and we'll see you next time. Bye.